Welcome to the Unscripted Podcast, where we chat with some of our friends, former guests, and industry pals. I'm your host, Kevin Fukunaga. Today, we've got on one of our favorites, one of the regulars on the show. He's written memorable <laughs> fart jokes for some of Hollywood's funniest people on TV, like Tim Allen, Joel McHale, yeah. Ron Funches, Chris Minsplass, Brett Morin, and Justin Bieber's favorite comic, Chris D'Elia, writing and producing oh, yeah. on The Great Indoors, Family Tools, and Undateable. And now he's working on the Blackish spinoff, College-ish. Mr. Craig Doyle. What's up, Craig? Hey, man. How are you, Kevin? How's it going, buddy? Good. How are you? Good. Good. Sorry, did I just break up on you there? Oh, I thought it. Sorry. The, um, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's, uh, it's a nice uh, 90,000 degrees out here in the West Valley and <laughs> trying not to uh, not to die. Um, but everything else, everything's good, man. Everything's good. 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 I didn't know you're going to be headed to vacation soon, so it's, I'm glad we can grab you before you I'll yeah, this to... is, yeah, I've been wanting to touch base with you ever since, you know, like, uh, you had, uh, uh, you and your wife had come out to see a taping of the show I was on. Uh, I don't know if we did. I, I think before I was going on great indoors. Um, that's when I think uh, last time I spoke to you for the podcast. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, went on uh, the CBS at com, uh, the great indoors, mm-hmm. Joel McHale and Stephen Fry. And we did, uh, we did that and, and you guys came out and, uh, went yeah you guys come to a taping of that yeah. and then i think i saw you then and then it's been a while since then so um yeah but here i am uh the great indoors did not come back which was a shame and i can talk more about that and stuff yeah uh, but it was a great experience and a good uh good show and cool people and joel and steven i would get to work with just some unbelievable people and and uh you know uh it was great but um you know as network television today is pretty treacherous and pretty unforgiving it was kind of we uh you know we didn't make it make it for the next round so um yeah now i'm uh, about to start uh, on the blackish spinoff here in july i think is when the writer's room starts up so we're kind of in between things right now and and getting that uh kind of moving I have to change the uh change the the processor on my brain a little bit to go from multi-camera to single camera back to single camera which i've done a lot of and and uh and kind of th- you know those kind of jokes and all that fun stuff so um yeah man it's uh it's been a it's been a wild year it's been a wild year yeah i mean there's not a whole lot of multicam these days right now anyway is there i mean it seems yeah. like you've got the big bang and big bang theory and there's a handful of them out there but not a ton it's wild i mean cbs has been the place that that they've done it i mean like they every year you know uh, i think we talked about it before but like you know around this time of year people are kind of getting their ideas together for development season and then they go in the summer and they kind of meet with pods which are producing entities that are you know on lots with uh different you know that have commitments some of them have commitments some of them are just uh uh um just producers that are either film producers or their own producers that don't that aren't affiliated with any studio but you'll you'll kind of get your ideas together and go in and and then sell them and then um, hopefully sell them, write them in the fall and then uh, uh, they get kind of chosen to see if they make uh, make it to pilot for in the um, in the after the beginning of the year and then if they get ordered in in the spring. So this last year though, this last development season, there was plenty of multicams. There's a lot of them, uh, scripts that got shot and things that got made. They just didn't get ordered. So it's, oh. it's a strange thing so it's uh so uh you know usually get um when that kind of that cut down gets made your agents will send you kind of a breakdown of all that stuff with the scripts and like their latest you know who's involved and whatever so you can kind of keep tabs on it and and you know if you end up wanting to work on that show so you can kind of see who you might have a relationship with or um you know hey this project's about this and you know 
hey, you were a school teacher. There's a show about school teachers. Maybe you should, you know, make sure to pay attention to it a lot more closely. So it's, uh, but this year, yeah, multicam, CBS has been the multicam place. It's still, you know, it's still been the, you know, the beacon on the hill there because they have Big Bang being uh, the big one. And then you, they added the Kevin James show and right. Matt LeBlanc show to their Monday night lineup. And then they had two broke girls, which is now gone. And um, they had uh, superior donuts, which they've had. Um, and that, that, that got in there. And then um, they have uh, a couple of them being made now. I know there's one called, it was, it was originally called living biblically, which was based on a book and uh, a guy, Patrick Walsh, who's really, really talented, funny dude. And some great writers are going over on that show. And that's a mid season multicam. And then um, with uh, Jay Ferguson from um, uh, The Real O'Neills and Mad Men is like the mm-hmm. lead. It's a guy. Um, yeah, it's a, that's one. And then um, there's this one called Apartment 9JKL, which is from Mark Fierstein and Dana Klein, who are a married couple. And Mark's the uh, actor you've seen. You've seen him. Oh, yeah, yeah Mark Fierstein's great. Yeah, so Mark, Mark and Dana uh, sold a show, and it went. And, um, uh, and I have a bunch of friends that are on that one right now, and they're making that. That's a fall show. That'll go either on that, I think, on that Monday night or it'll go somewhere. But Thursday, Thursday nights on CBS was Big Bang Theory and then um, then uh, then the, the Great Indoors. And then it went to um, uh, then it would go to uh, Mom at nine o'clock and then at nine thirty would be Life in Pieces. So the Great Indoors was on in the eight thirty spot post uh, Big Bang. So we had a lot of expectations on us. And we did really we did pretty well. Like if you look at our numbers versus everything else, it's. Uh, the Great Indoors did well. It like, you know, everything falls off a of Big Bang. Everything has been in that in that kind of uh, in that uh, spot right after it always falls. Nothing kind of holds the whole number right. of Big Bang. But um, well, those are, we I mean, kept our the, own. We it's kept the highest rated show on TV, right? That or yeah, NCIS or far, something. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Between the one hours and the and the um, and uh, that, it's yeah. They they kind of own the nights on those things. NCIS yeah. is just it, you don't even. I don't know a single human being who watches NCIS. Right. But apparently, the entire world does. Right. And then I'll talk to like my parents or a friend. They go, like, "Oh, we watched that." And I'm like, "Oh, you're the people." I just don't know them. Right. So, um, so uh, yeah. So we. I think what happened was is that we were we did fine. We didn't kick ass. Uh, right. We did well some weeks, some weeks, but we did we did better than fine. We did good. And, and that wasn't, you know, when they're sitting there going, all right, we have to clear the decks for new stuff. They, uh, if we, if we would have debuted on Monday, the expectations would have been lower as far as our number. And I think we probably would have been on for a second season, but, um, you know, it went down to the wire and, and, uh, we just didn't come back. So it was, it was disappointing for, um, for all of us. Cause we just, we really loved everybody that we were, you know, that did it. Chris Harris and Mike Gibbons, Mike Gibbons who created it, Chris Harris, who ran the show. He's on how I met your mother and, they're just awesome dudes and nice guys and just super mellow. And then, uh, uh, then it was, uh, me and then Austin Earl, who is now working on that apartment show, nine J K L and Liz Feldman, who's working on that as well. They were Cody peas with me. And, uh, we just, we kind of, uh, were, you know, the second guard, like the, the capos that kind of helped to uh, keep things going. Uh, while Mike and, um, Chris made sure that all the, everything was, you know, production was going and everything's going and making the big decisions. We kind of, around the writer's room and getting all that going. We had a big staff that was really fun. A lot of young writers. Um, the show was, you know, millennials versus Gen X was kind of the way they marketed it. So we had a lot of kind of younger millennial aged uh, comedy writers and writing teams. And then we had, you know, uh, us crusty Gen X guys who were there. And so we were, we had some spirited debates in the room and some fun right. stuff that came out of that. And 
Um, so yeah, but it went really, really well. And, and Joel McHale is, is the best. He's just the best guy. I mean, he's a big smart. He's exactly who you think he is. He's a smart ass. He's tough. You met him. You yeah. met him. So yeah. he's the sweetest guy. He'll bust your balls like crazy. And then, you know, and then do something so incredibly nice for you. And then you call it to him and then he tells you you're an idiot. So it's, he's just, <laughs> it's a, it's a constant slap and tickle and he's just the loveliest guy. And uh, I adore him. I would do anything for the guy. Cause he's uh, the beginning. He was, I think he was coming off a community. He was a little wary about, you know, look, he's coming off of a very decorated uh, cult hit show with a lot of like comedy snobs love the community. It's a great show. And here he is being the guy that to go to the multi-camera sitcom on CBS, which is like the, you know, traditionally like it's like going from being an arcade fire to going to a pop, you know, being in a pop band. Right. So you're like, well, I'm going from, you know, kind of artsy music to, or alternative music to making pop music. And, that's a tough spot for, uh, you know, for a guy to lead that show. There's a, you're putting a lot on the line. So um, he was uh, rightfully so uh, at the beginning. I think he was a little wary about how it was going to go. And then um, uh, it, then as soon as he kind of saw that, you know, we wanted to take care of him, we had no interest in being, um, uh, you know, no interest in kind of doing a, a cheesy sitcom that uh, we wanted to try to push it and make it more like um, uh the ones that, you know, like news radio and just shoot me and stuff like that, right. that he wanted to make it like, uh, we, we, you know, we really kind of hit our stride and it was really fun, but he was amazing. Chris Rubens class, you mentioned, yeah. um, is just like, he just an absolute machine. People loved him. I mean, that was a adjustment at the beginning of the year when we had him is, is that anytime we were mean to him, like we had Joel's character be mean to him. It <laughs> felt like extra mean because people liked him so much they get pissed at joel and you're like no no no, we can't have him mad at joel's character joel's the hero too he's just busting it's like you're it's like a big brother busting a little brother's balls right you're like oh shit he went too far they are they're really sensitive about that and um it was funny so you you know all those first year shows as you're kind of figuring it out um you know you kind of start to see the levels that you need to play at but he was just uh unbelievable uh, Stephen Fry uh, is exactly who you want him to be. Just the most loveliest, most intelligent guy that could you could imagine. And it was amazing. It was funny. It was after after we wrapped, went over to Stephen and all you know, like Mince Plass and Sean Brown, who's a really funny actor, who's on the show as well. Like Sean and Chris were going to go to I think they were going to uh, Costa Rica. And uh, Christine Coe, who uh, played Emma, is, is uh, she was going somewhere on a vacation. Everybody's going on vacations. Joel was going on like a you know book tour thing or something. I don't know what it was. Everybody's going somewhere. I'm like, Stephen, what are you doing, man? You know, and uh, he's like, Well, I'm going to go to the south of England to uh, to my house to finish my book on Greek mythology, <laughs> translated from the original Greek tablets or some shit. And I'm like, Oh my god, like that's what he does. Like we're all like, hey, we're gonna go. Uh, I don't know, we're gonna go to uh, we're gonna go to go to Knott's Berry Farm. What are you right. doing? Oh, I'm gonna go just make a new definitive Greek mythology. You know, from uh, <laughs> reading the ancient Greek, translating it, and doing it as he does. Like so, he's just such a legit academic on top of being, you know, this guy that can kind of you could pop him into a multi-camera sitcom and he'll just sit there and just slaughter jokes over and over and over again for you. So he was just amazing and. Uh, uh, yeah, we had, uh, uh, Susie Fielding was just unbelievable. She's a, a stage actress, a, a very decorated British stage actress, uh, in, um, like a Shakespeare, well, Shakespeare company, I think, uh, over in Britain. And then she came over here. So it was a newer experience for her, but I would say of that cast, she was the one, like, it was amazing to watch her like as a really, really trained actress, 
pick up the rhythms of a multi-camera uh, style and just absolutely just crush and become uh, a real just beast on the floor. So it was just, it was a, it's a bummer that we don't get to keep doing it because I really feel like the second season we would have really, we found, I think we found the show about halfway through mm-hmm. to maybe two thirds way through. And then, then once we, once that was, uh, once we did that, uh, it was really cool. Cause we felt like, uh, you know, it's awesome. So we thought like, Oh shit, we can, uh, if we can get past the growing pains, we can, I think we're going to start doing some stuff that's really, you know, on top of the things that we do and that we're proud of, but, you know, also might be able to do some things that are, uh, um, uh, we found the voices and we started doing that, uh, started writing more to that. And I think that the, it got funnier and it just became more, just better quality and it just was awesome. So, um, I think that was a super long answer too. There's not a lot of multi cameras. <laughs> I would expect nothing less, sir. Yeah, um, I know that's where I. Yeah, my head just fucking rambles around. But yeah, it was. But to that end, I don't know why it's that. I think that uh, audiences are loving. Uh, I don't know if it's that the way it's if if it's indicative of the habits of television watchers now. I think that a lot of people don't watch television live. I mean, uh, the trite answer is to say, oh, everyone's watching Netflix and they're watching. You know, and multicam feels like you're maybe, you know, you watched it. We used to, you know, oh, Family Ties is on. Everyone got in the room and we'd sit there and watch it. It's not like that anymore. Everyone's my, my, found out my daughter watched the whole series of Riverdale uh, oh. on her, on her iPad. And I was right. like, oh, awesome. Okay, cool. I didn't know. Like, we would have, I would have known she was watching that. Or it just feels like that uh, the, the viewing habits are different. So um, right. maybe that's aesthetically more conducive. Uh, to single camera shows where people want to watch those like kind of more serialized ones as opposed to watching uh, and, and, and then going back and watching friends or watching shows that they grew up on rather than the new ones. So I don't know. I don't know. It's a real, but like um, you said, I mean, big real, bang uh, and, and a lot of these other shows on CBS do well to me. It seems almost yeah. like a trend. You have the modern families and the office and all of a sudden everyone wants to do that, but then, you know, big bang theory. And so everyone wants to do that. And, you know, maybe it's a flip floppy thing, but also maybe it's because of of just the marketplace, meaning not all shows shoot 22 episodes anymore. And so I think like back in the day, yeah, that's for sure. you know, with the yeah. Roseanne's and the Friends, you could shoot, you know, 26 episodes of because it was multicam, whereas a single cam, it may not have right. been possible to shoot that many episodes. I don't know. I mean, yeah, you just it wouldn't have been. Yeah, I don't think it would have been. uh uh financially the I mean, you know, a single camera show takes it costs a lot more money i mean you're you know you're going on like location you're you know your your crew you need a different type of crew you don't have you know it's not tape night where your production week is one week you're really only shooting one week or, or two days you know one tape night and and then maybe some pre-shoots on another one um you know all your sets are very you know contained your everything is kind of in one place it, it's a lot it's a much cheaper thing to do which is surprising because you'd figure in this kind of uh erratic television viewing thing uh landscape that the networks would want to do more things that cost less money while while everything settles you know it's right the patterns become more more readable where they go okay cool people are watching this way or they're watching this way or they're watching this way while they're doing that is like you don't want to spend super expensive you would think you wouldn't want to spend a whole lot of money taking big swings, but at the same time, those big swings that have hit like a stranger things, which is out of the box or, you know, uh, uh, any of the, any of the stuff that you kind of look at now and you go, Oh my God, that's uh, 
that's uh, an unbelievable uh, wow. Could you imagine that show? Like even Mad Men or whatever. It's like those shows are were big swings, and right. so those are the things that become cultural phenomenon uh, are big swings. So I guess if you're going to have to try to make a um, uh, if you're going to try to make a, a, a debt, you got to take a big swing. So uh, and that's just been getting filmmakers and people that want to try to do more interesting things, I guess. But uh, it's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a strange. Uh, it's, it's a strange time uh, across the board, but, um, uh, you know, I, I love multi-cameras. I, I, I mean, excited to go back to single camera cause that's, uh, where I kind of started, but, um, it, with the uh, blackish of it all, but the, uh, um, the multi-cam, there's nothing like it. You've been there for the tape yeah, nights and, yeah. you know, when I did undateable, it was a very different one cause it was live, but there's something about an audience right there and the jokes right there and the infectiousness of it and, and feeling, um, uh, feeling, uh, that energy is, is, uh, is something that, you know, we made the America made that made the multi-camera sitcom and it's ours and people copy it across the world. So it's, I, I don't think it'll ever go away. I just think that it's, you know, like you said, it goes through ebbs and flows and trends and this is hip now. And this is what this is. But, uh, if you see right now where multi-camera thrives is in the, in kids television. I mean, you go over to the Disney channel shows or Nickelodeon or any of that. Yeah there's tons of multi-cameras there. And, and and if you look at those writers credits that come across the beginning of the screen, there are people that were on coach or empty nest or things that were back in the eighties and nineties and, and have kind of, they were the legends of those, um, those, that format. So they go there, you know, it's not just some, you know, there's definitely young writers over there that are writing, you know, uh, lab rats or one of those things, but there's some people over there. You'll see names. You're like, Oh my God, that person created this show or that it's, it's because they're, they know multi-camera and they know yeah. how that, how to write it. It's a very, very specific skill set. It is. So, um, absolutely. Yeah. The jokes are different. Yeah. The jokes are different. You don't, you, you know, your jokes are a little more set up punchline. They're not, you, there's no visual jokes. You don't right. cut over to a look. You don't do those things. So you have to build things rhythmically a little bit differently. And, and, and not everyone's great at that. Not people don't know how to do that or they go real broad or they go real, um, or too subtle. And it's like, it's a fast paced thing. And if I know that with us, like on great indoors, there's times when we overwrote a joke and you go, oh, okay, well, the audience didn't hear it because they're, they're processing what you're saying behind it. And then their processing steps on where they would laugh. And then you're on to the next thing. So you go, oh shit, we overwrote it. we got to back it off, make it take the word, take some words out so they can catch up. And, uh, all that stuff is, uh, is very uh is is something you just have to get experience to know how to do it so it's uh it's it's um but i i love the i love the um the multicam man it's it's a lot of fun i think i think it will come back around and it will be someone will come through and it won't be these you know right now the ones we get are kind of network ones that are really silly and kind of broad and about you know, a daughter that comes back to work for a father or something that's like kind of a, a premise we might've seen before or something like that. We're going to get those, you know, Tina Fey and Robert Carlock will write one or, you know, Kenya Barris will write one and you'll be like, Oh fuck. Okay. Someone took it. And you know, it's the same format, but it's taking it to the next level of, right. of, of how it's being made. And I think that that, that will eventually come the same way that Norman Lear did. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, all the legends of television that are in the, uh, Museum of Television Radio that do Q and A's every month. There, they were the ones that did it before and kind of took something that was there, like the Phil Silver Show, and then turned it into All in the Family. Or you know, um, and you know, you had the Charles Brothers who went and took 
you know, uh, a bar show and turned it into Cheers. And, and you know, it, 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 someone will come along and do that in the way that Chuck, had, Chuck Laurie has with uh, Big Bang and all his shows and Mom and, and things like that. They've, those, uh, those, those, uh, someone will come around and they'll get that opportunity and have that, uh, that opportunity where it's timing and it'll also be uh, a point of view and a want that'll kind of rekindle it. That's why what I think is going to happen. So, but um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, hopefully, and this is, I think this is the time in terms of television where it can happen with what, 430 plus uh, uh, shows being developed. And uh, you know, you hear here that like with the Amazons and the Netflix and the Hulus who can take more chances. And wasn't it, uh, 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 Reed Hastings or whoever runs Netflix. I I heard that he said that we don't have a high enough cancellation rate. And what that means is we're not taking enough risks. Uh, So maybe now's the time for stuff like that, you know? Well, definitely. I mean, you're seeing it's crazy. I think that um, when I was thinking, when I knew I was going to talk to you, I was thinking about, I think we've talked before about like certain, you know, it was seemed to like kind of get into the trends of television and things like that. But one of the things that I've noticed, um, was well in the in the in the in the nineties, you know, you weren't allowed to studios weren't allowed to or networks weren't allowed to own the stuff that they broadcast. So so you have, you know, twentieth century Fox studio uh was not allowed to you weren't twentieth century Fox, you know, Fox T V on channel eleven here in LA would not be able to show a twentieth uh studio its own it couldn't just own it outright. That those restrictions came off in the nineties and um then it became you watched everything you watched all the independent television studios like Carsey Warner that were mm-hmm. on Cosby and, and different world and all those like amazing shows, third rock from the sun, Tom Warner and, and Marcy Carsey, they, they, those things started to go away. Those guys started to go in house for the studios and you watched the, the business shrank for 10 some years. You watched, you, you know, you didn't have those independent producers where they were able to leverage it. You had Warner brothers, um, had the WB, but they would have, but they were able to kind of leverage their way into NBC with friends or to take a, you know, a, a show into CBS or ABC or wherever. Um, you watched this whole thing recently and in, in the last Upfront's presentation in the last, uh, I think they were talking about, they called stacking rights where, they, where the networks want to own their own stuff because right. as they know, as things get more and more precarious and they're trying to figure out viewing patterns and the, and the ratings and Nielsen ratings have, you know, plummeted over, you know, way that people watch TV 10 to 15 years ago. Um, they want to make sure that they're they at least own it. So they're not licensing, you know, they're not leasing a building and, you know, they're not leasing a property and then uh, getting no value out of it. They want to make sure that they have it so they could sell it. You know, it runs, it doesn't go, you know, it goes for a little while, runs, finishes and then they're able to resell it into Netflix or some one of these other places like they like they did in the syndication model. It, that that happened over the last, you know, decade, 15, 20 years and and it's been a bummer because there's less buyers and there's less people taking chances and it makes, you know, you start to get the vertical integration stuff where it was like, okay, well, it, it's what you see in film now where if you go over to Disney and you're a filmmaker trying to get into Disney good luck getting on that slate with star Wars and the Muppets and frozen and, and a Pixar movie and a wreck it Ralph thing. And then a pirates of the Caribbean. It's like, they're making 10 or 12 movies. You, I don't know where those movies that aren't vertically integrated, where you're going to, you know, you just have, so it, you've taken an impossible thing and made it even harder. So 
that started happening on television too. The schedules were like, there's only so many hours of prime time. There's only so many hours doing stuff. Well, then it was like, well, if you now are at ABC, which is a Disney show, well, we've got to make a Marvel show or, um, you know, this year they bought American Idol. Well, that took two and a half hours of prime time off, right. off, off of the, that. And then, you know, uh, then they redid Roseanne. So that's three hours now of new stuff that's not coming on, on, you know, the most, uh, uh, the most probably abundant comedy network, you know, the ABC being like with Modern Family and Blackish and all that. Right. Uh, that's all gone. And so you saw shows like Dr. Ken and Last Man State, all those kind of go. So what I think is happening is, is you've seen that phenomenon take over. What's happening is, is with these streaming, streaming opportunities and some of the cable places, that have, that have reopened, you know, opened up is that in a way is that, you know, you press something down at whack it pops up somewhere else. It's coming now in this, like, you know, as you said, 430 some odd shows being developed, it's, it's coming out a different way. It's coming out sideways in these new, you know, these new, uh, streaming, uh, avenues, which is exciting. That's, it's like, Oh shit. Okay. I don't have to take this. I don't have to take this idea that I have that's really meant for cable or something dark. And I don't have to sit there and and put a bow on it and you know and 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 glitter and and, and pink bunny ears and make it a network show. I, I can actually keep it the way I want to do it and take it over to Netflix or Hulu or Amazon or any of these places that are streaming YouTube. All this stuff I can go over to these places and get the same budgets I'm getting on network and uh, be able to make it for the way it was designed as opposed to a way that it was adapted. Right. And I think, I think that's an exciting, that's an exciting um, a prospect. I think that that's, it, that's the way it looks like it's going. And I think that uh, when you have advocates like Reed Hastings and Ted Sarandos at Netflix and, and all those, those powers would be really keeping it open like that and letting kind of almost television people and filmmakers with, uh, that it's almost like you know the 1970s in, in cinema. It that the, the creators are running the roost right now, and I think in television that's definitely the case. You know, and that's a good thing. I think that'll. I think a lot of good opportunities will come to see some great shows, and we'll have fun stuff. We'll also have a lot of shit too. It's just like everything right. because you have to fill it out. But but you know, um, good things will come out of it. So um, yeah, but uh, it's it's a it, it's an exciting time. If you're a content creator, it's like. You don't quite, it's a little scary because you don't know where you're getting your money, but there's more opportunity. So it's like, if you can kind of keep your, keep your head together and, and stay true to what you want to do and, and be patient, I feel like the, uh, the opportunities are coming, you know? So, um, I was going to ask you, is, was the great indoors owned by CBS or was it an outside company? Yes. Okay. Yes. It was owned by CBS. Yeah. So we were on the, on the ladder, we were on the, um, uh, we were on the uh, CBS Radford lot and uh, yeah, there was no, it was a real, uh, all things, you know, looking at it from a, a big uh, 10,000 foot view, a very cheap show. I mean, you know, no shows cheap, but like comparative to other shows, it was owned by CBS and, and, uh, and uh, broadcast on the network. And we didn't have a huge, there wasn't a huge piece of property or anything that, or IP that you're paying for like a book. I thought even undateable was based on a book. Oh, I didn't know. So that. As, as much as that book, yeah, as much as the book was not, um, was not a, we, we, we so far from the show. It's basically just took the title, um, and the idea of dudes who are kind of disasters in dating world. I mean, that's about as much as we took from the book. The book was more like a novelty book, but you still had to pay. You had sure. to pay 
something for the IP. And I mean, that was probably nothing comparatively to that, but like, you know, those things add up. So if you sit there and go, wow, I got a book, well, I got to pay for this. And someone did a screenplay on it years ago. I got to pay them off. And it just becomes when you start getting these, some of these properties or you get a big piece of talent. I mean, Joel, Joel is a, is a big piece of talent. You get like Matt LeBlanc who's on friends where he's got a TV quote that's through the roof or someone like Kevin James is on King of Queens. It's very expensive for your talent, you know? So Joel is, is Joel costs a pretty penny, but he's, you know, he, you know, community was more, like I said, like more the underground cool thing. And then, and you know, so he's not, he's not sitting there looking at like these kind of, uh, these guys who've had kind of institutional hits like King of Queens and, and friends where they're like, Oh my God, those guys are beasts. So you, you have to pay a, a freight for those guys that are, that's probably way beyond. But um, yeah, it was, it wasn't a, it wasn't a super expensive show. Uh, but um, yeah. So, um, but it was, it yeah, it was owned by CBS. Um, because my wife worked on the amazing race and they've been having, they had a hard time. They almost didn't get picked up for their 30th season because they're not owned by CBS. And so their slot was yeah. taken by MacGyver who got slightly better ratings, but not a huge amount yeah. better. And I'm sure it's more expensive, but it's owned by CBS. So I, yeah. I, I, and then I, the thing is with that is they can go and they'll already make deals on MacGyver the way that, you know, like you'll see on. Monday or Tuesday after a movie on the trades on deadline or in the trades, you'll sit there and go, okay, Wonder Woman sold its rights to FX. And you're like, what? For when it comes on, you know, in cable, those kind of things you're able to do with television. Now you still have to kind of wait. I mean, they did it, but like syndication models where you're like, I think the last big one that I remember is two broke girls where you're like, Oh, it went into syndication. So you could sell it into, you know, private markets or that stuff with, um, uh, there people are starting to do that now. Like you can go, you know, you can go on Netflix and find, you know, the season of Arrow or something like that. They're there. They're in these streaming places, Apple TV, wherever it may be. All that stuff is right. You didn't, you, you know, there's no, oh, wait for the DVD box set to come out in right. eight months. It's like, no, it's on now. Like, right. it'll come on and it'll be on in a couple of weeks and it'll be on that. So, so. Sometimes those, it's on the yeah. next day, like on Hulu or on iTunes. Oh, Sometimes yeah, it's absolutely. the next day. It's up, yeah. you know, available. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So you have to, uh, yeah, it's it's real. Um, it's it's a different world. So 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 one hour that's owned by CBS, like MacGyver, to them it's like, well, shit. If we can get it on and get people to like it, then it's like you you know you you it's money's just changing pockets from one side of the corporation to the other. Right. And you you know you have a better chance of making it as opposed to paying a licensing fee to Warner Brothers or some other independent. Yeah, uh, studio, Sony, or whatever, splitting the cost or whatever it may be. Yeah, I'm sure um, there's some sort of licensing you know, so, fee for MacGyver since it was a previous, you know, show. Unless it was owned by CBS previously, yeah. I don't know, but um, it probably was. I mean, they, they kind of a lot of times around this time of year, a lot of the producers that you'll meet with, like uh, that are on a lot, like you know, Warner Brothers or CBS or Sony right. or whatever, they they'll go in and they'll say, "Oh, look, let's go back and they'll find all the shows that are there." They're like, "Oh, is this done for a remake? Are we going to remake?" You know, look, we own Gilligan's Island. Can we remake Gilligan's Island? Like, <laughs> no, you know, they go, they literally go through those things and they'll say, "Hey, is there a version of taking my three sons and making it my three daughters?" And you're blah blah blah. It's like right. they'll do things like that. Like they go through those things. So MacGyver was, you know, I think, you know, with uh, Scorpion being a big hit for CBS, you know, kind of a, a show that kind of high tech nerds and NCIS and procedurals and stuff like that, kind of taking something uh, that was, you know, on when I was you know when i was a young guy that was on and you watched it it was cool like that i have kids now that i might be like hey i watched this when i was a kid this is the new version 
uh, you know, that, that makes sense to me. I, I mean, I see the, I see the math in that. I see the, you know, the proof. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's real, it's really crazy. I mean, the amount of money that they're willing to spend on, on these things, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, superior donuts is based on a play. It's based on a, um, on an award-winning play from Tracy Letts is like, you know, very, yeah, it was based on that. And then you see it and you're like, Oh, it's, it's a very, you're like superior donuts. Sounds like, you know, like, Oh, it sounds like a goofy, you know, it sounds like two broke girls almost, you know, right. like something that's like a light thing. It's like, no, if you read the plays about gentrification and race in Chicago and kind of, it's really wild. So then, you know, those guys had to take, uh, did a great job of kind of casting and getting it and trying to grab the essence of that, but at the same time be an entertaining sitcom, you know? So, right. uh, sounds so, like what yeah, they did with all that uh, stuff. Sounds like what they did with fresh off the boat. Yeah. Which was also, you know, obviously based on, uh, Eddie Huang's book. So, um, but very, yeah. very different. Um, yes, totally different. Yeah. So they just kind of go, oh, okay, cool. We'll take your, we'll take your, uh, we'll take your idea and, or take the title or take whatever right. the inspiration and just kind of run it from there. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, wherever they can find it, they'll, they'll, they'll mine everything. So. <laughs> Do you know if the new Roseanne's going to be multicam? Yes. It's going to be multicam. That be cool. From what I understand, it's multicam. It's going to be the same old show. It's going to be done like that. Yeah. Well, it's really it, interesting. I don't know. And in its pr- you know? in its peak, Roseanne is one of the best shows on television. I mean, it was phenomenally oh, yeah, written. an all timer. It's it's yeah. just I mean the one that ticks all the boxes. It's like, uh, you know, where it had social social relevance and and it pushed uh, boundaries that way. Plus, just funny and just the idea of it being accessible in blue collar and stuff like that. It was you know it's one of the definitely one of the Mount Rushmore multicams you know that you kind of look back and go oh my god so i it, will they be able to kind of catch that again like i don't know it to me I, i'm I, I it's a wait and see like will and grace is coming back too and i have a friend that works on that yeah that to me seems like a no-brainer just because it's like those that cast is so talented and so funny and it's so prescient and that you know it was it was way ahead of its time with you know the way it did uh you know, sexuality and all that stuff now to be able to see it now and see all those characters and those characters were so loved. I think that that's more of a no brainer now for a remake than Roseanne feels like, Oh, okay. Will you be able to pick up? Cause you know, you know, as much as Will and Grace had social relevance and the gay, um, you know, the gay straight uh, of it all and, and how it was like seeing gay lead characters. And sure. It was still a very, you know, very proscenium fun, wild, broad show in a cool, you know, in a great way. It was, right. you know, they definitely got heavy and talked about certain things, but the tone of it was definitely lighter and fun where Roseanne played with tone a lot. And I just wonder how that's going to, you know, is that, are they going to be able to catch that phenomenon or that, that tone that, and, and be able to keep that, uh, will be a really cool, interesting thing to see, uh, see if they, how they do. Um, and I, they got all the people to do it, but, um, it'll be, uh, um, it'll be interesting if there's a market and a, if people will, will connect to it like they did in the nineties, you know, right. Um, it, it, it'll be exciting, but, um, you know, well, two it, questions, it'll be something to watch, man, for sure. Yeah. I mean, two questions I would have is one, didn't, didn't, uh, uh, Dan, uh, did Dan Connor, died, the, right? he died. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, they're going to rectify that. And then I heard that I they were going to say he faked his death or something be... like that. Which I guess would be kind of funny. I don't know. That'll be. <laughs> I don't know. That's pretty funny. It's. I, I don't know how they're gonna do it. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't. I. Re, I don't know. It'll be a. It'll be. 
a very interesting, I think I'll definitely be tuning in and see how they pull it off. I mean, look, I think now this is the world of remakes. You got Twin Peaks back and, um, you know, you're seeing things that I didn't know they were going to be able to redo again. And then you watch Twin Peaks. If you like Twin Peaks as a TV show, you're probably loving the new, you know, the Showtime Twin Peaks. It's fucking the same thing, man. It's the same weird psycho crazy thing that you had. And it's like, I feel like he took it and, and David Lynch kind of took it and, and ran with it and did what he does. And it's awesome. And, and, you know, uh, I hope that they're able to kind of do the same thing and, and, and not, you know, anytime, you know, anytime you try to, anytime you try to go back, um, uh, anytime you try to go back and recapture that magic again, it's, you're running a big risk. So right. I think that it'll be very, uh, it'll be really interesting to see. Well, and I guess the How second, goes, man. yeah, the second question, I guess my wife is a Roseanne file. I mean, she's seen every episode. She really loves that show and said that the best seasons, and I, I tend to agree the best seasons were when Tom Arnold was around. Like he was, he was there yeah. for whatever reason he had part in the writing of it. He got, at least he got yeah. a producer credit and the best parts or the best episodes were when he was around, when they were married and he was around and it was the best. Um, so I'd be yeah, curious they, to see I if they're going to bring they him were, back. Yeah. They, yeah. I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I know that they had a pretty acrimonious divorce and yeah. you know, he was at her roast and I'm sure money, look, who knows, man, I, you know, Roseanne's been a pretty controversial person, Sure. Even after that show with crazy stuff that she's done and things that have been, you know, out there and uh, who knows, uh, who knows what's going to happen. I I really don't. It's just so wild. I don't know. uh, I don't know how that'll be, um, how it'll be a, how it'll be received B how they're going to pull it off and, and uh, um, see if it's just going to have, if it's going to feel like, Oh man, it's like, it's going to feel like Indiana Jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull. But, you know, I hope it's not that where you go back and go, yeah, everybody looks the same. Oh, that's a great joke. And then you're like, oh, I feel bad for the people in it. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, but no, I, I, I think of those guys, uh, the, the people all involved in that, I think it, you have a pretty killer, a pretty killer team there. So I have, I have a feeling that, you know, it's going to be uh, it's going to be great and it'll be interesting to watch. Um, but man, I, I if I was in charge of that and that whole, you know, trying to get that thing. Uh, up, not that I would ever be that guy that, you know, um, uh, if, if I was in charge of that, of trying to figure that out, doing it would be, I would be pretty, I, man, my head would be spinning. I would, I just don't know. So I, there's lots of much smarter people than me out there doing it, but so I'm anxious to see how they pull it off. But, um, yeah, dude, it's going to be nuts. <laughs> yeah. Um, now talking about, um, you know, shows coming back and spinoffs are a huge thing too. Um, you yeah, are yeah. now, well, you're going to be started. You haven't actually started on the show yet, but, uh, uh yeah, so it's, I mean, I think college-ish is what the word it's also, I think it might be called liberal arts. I don't think might have, I don't know if that's the final, uh, um, uh, final title of it, but if you watch the show, if you watch Blackish, the mm-hmm. oldest daughter went off, is gone off to college is a big, you know, uh, big, uh, will, uh, what is she going to do when East coast or stay here on the West coast? And, uh, she stayed on the West coast and that's what it's going to be. So, um, uh, it's going to be her experience in college and, you know, Kenya Barris wrote the, that spinoff with Larry Wilmore where who he wrote, you know, the blackish pilot with. So it's definitely, you know, it's, it's not like it's, you took, uh, someone that was working on the show and then it's, it's going to, I, you know, I, I, I haven't talked with, I haven't spoken with Kenya 
about it yet. We haven't, you know, the room starts in about uh, in the middle of July. So it's like, yeah, I think they're still kind of figuring out who's coming aboard. I, I got lucky enough to get on early. So I've been, you know, kind of sitting and waiting to hear um, what's going forward with it as far as, you know, but I imagine it'll be, uh, you know, the same, same amazing tone as blackish is where you're able to kind of do these socially relevant issue uh, episodes and, and, and subjects and have things that are just, you know, straight up family comedy. That's really fun and unique and, and Kenya's voice. So he'll be there kind of shepherding it along. And, and then, uh, uh, I think he, he will be, you know, um, Stacy Traub, who's a, who ran the real O'Neill's last year is I think running now blackish this season. So I think Kenya will be kind of more supervising both shows kind of popping around and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I'm excited. I'll be a co-EP on that show. And, and, uh, uh, I'm just excited to be in that world. I had, I had, uh, there were some close calls of me possibly uh, working with Kenya and, and Blackish um, last year. Potentially, I was in the, in the hunt there and it didn't work out. But um, uh, so I've been excited. I've known him for a couple of years and I helped him on the Blackish pilot years ago. And uh, it just, I love him and he's so talented and funny and knows exactly what he wants and all the people that he has hired around him, Jonathan Groff and Courtney Lilly and all these folks uh visual patel and and uh and and uh just uh cory nickerson it's just like these people that are just like i love these people and they're all like that that temperament and just awesome funny huge joke teller just hilarious people who are super mellow and smart it's just like that have no egos it's just it's exciting it's exciting to go over there and, and be a part of uh um his vision and his world and and doing uh uh doing something that's, uh, you know, it, it's kind of nice to get back in the single camera space for me and, and, and do, and, and, uh, I think Dion Cole, who's on the blackish, uh, he's been a regular, he works with, uh, Anthony Anderson's character, he works with Dre at the, uh, agency. And then I think he's going to be a regular on it. And who's, I think he's hilarious. And, um, there's some other people that, uh, potentially kind of come over and I'm sure they're going to swoop in the cast from the, the main show in and out, you know, as they right. go through, which will be really exciting. So, um, yeah, man, it's going to be, it's going to be really fun. So, uh, it's on ABC. Well, what was ABC family? That's the thing is it, because ABC kind of did this idle thing, uh, and cleared out so much that, uh, it, it's on Freeform, which is, um, which is now ABC, what was ABC family. Right. Um, so it's going to be on Freeform, um, which is kind of like a, like at the beginning, I was like, Oh, Freeform, that's, you know, okay. You know, kind of a cable space. But, um, as we spoke about earlier, where you're watching the show kind of doesn't matter anymore. It's like the way it's just that you watch it. So you'll watch it on Hulu and it'll say, Oh, freeform TV at the beginning or say ABC. Same way that like when you go to the movies uh, and you go, you know, you go see a, you go see a movie and it says Weinstein company and Bleecker street and this way, you don't give a shit about any of that. You, right. just, you just see the movie. Right. It's going to be kind of like that now where you just watch the show on demand the way you like it. And this is where it is. But if you watch it in the traditional way and it's on it, you know, eight o'clock on a Tuesday night or whatever it is, you can watch it that way too, but um, just the, the patterns of viewing of so many of people, and especially the, I think the target of, of this show specifically, I'm guessing, is going to be very much, uh, um, you know, it's it's a, it's it's not as relevant as it maybe was in the past. So you know, as a writer, you go, oh, I'm going over to cable. Okay, uh, now it's like, oh, who cares? <laughs> you know, it's just right. a different. It's just, you know, to the 400 and something shows that are being made and all these new venues, it's kind of, you have to kind of embrace where the frontier is 
spreading out in front of you. This is what it is. So uh, it's it, for me, it's getting in business with Kenya and being and being able to learn from him and uh, follow his lead. He's just such a, a brilliant dude and so fun and cool and sweet and nice and fucking hilarious. So it's like, you know, uh, just follow, try to be around those people that make you better. So I'm really excited about it. So I mean, uh, it, it should be fun, man. It feels a little to me like. Uh, a 21st century version of the Cosby show spinoff of a different world. Yeah. You know, yeah, we I'm have sure that they talked about that. Yeah. It'll be yeah. interesting. Uh, I haven't talked to Kenya about that, but I think that that's kind of, that wouldn't be far from it. I would yeah. think, I'm sure that that was very much in everybody's, uh, everybody's headspace. They're like, right. well, shit, you know, they spun off Lisa Bonet into a different world. It's like, yeah. why can't we do that too? And have a show that was very successful and but very different stays in the brand and all that stuff. Yeah. They're very different. Yeah. Things. Yeah, they're totally both highly successful, so, both really well done, but very different. Yes, yeah. So they, but they all had the same kind of DNA, or you could kind of see that it was kind of stemming from. You know, they both had the same roots, so yeah. uh, there was very much like, oh, this one has this, and it, you know, that's the silliness of that. Like, definitely, this was more about you know the the different world had leaned on a different kind of comedy muscle, but it was always the same kind of. Uh, there was always felt like the jokes and the perspective and the tone of the show always felt like they were all the same DNA. So um, I imagine that's how it's going to be with this. I'm, I'm anxious to see and be a part of it, man. It's going to be fun. Well, and also talking about, you know, freeform, uh, which when I first heard freeform, I'm like, what is that? And then I realized, Oh, it's, it's yeah. what ABC family became. Um, yeah. But the thing about that, especially with, with freeform and a lot of these cable channels, like the audience a majority of the audience probably doesn't even just turn into cable TV. They watch it, like you said, through various different avenues, like the Hulus of the world and, you know, the sling yeah. TVs and all these other, you know, avenues yes. so that it's, they're not watching yeah. it necessarily. Like, I mean, TV is so fractured now in terms of the way people yeah. consume their television, whether they just go on iTunes and get the whole season, you know, the season pass and they get all the episodes as they come out or, you know, People watch it when, right, it's, when right. and where it's convenient for them. It's not necessarily sitting in front of the television, unless you're watching like Game of Thrones, some event show, which there are very few. You're, you know, yes. you're not watching TV in a traditional sense anymore. Really, most people are not. Yeah, I mean, I think that to your point, I think that's why people you heard see these deals for the NFL and these yeah. sports things and these live things. Why that they seem like that the premiums and the cost of those things went through the roof is because that's when they know the eyeballs are going to be on it. Right. They're going to be on for the NBA finals game six at, you know, or game four, whatever it right. is. They know that the, you know, that on Thursday night football or Sunday night football, they know that these things are going to be there. That uh, sporting events are like that. And the, it, the event shows like game of Thrones and the way Sopranos was and um, Mad Men. And, and there were shows that you, I mean, Seinfeld and stuff like that. You watch those shows that way. Um, but there's not, you know, like you said, game of Thrones. I mean, you, you probably can't name it name a bunch of them like you know no, that you can like that. now it's like walking oh, okay, dead cool. maybe walking dead would be the other one i yeah. think people watch that immediately and that's got like and i think both of those uh both of those kind of both of those have the common denominator of being you know fantasy sci-fi that probably go into the kind of comic-con uh right. san diego comic-con crowd right. where those people were going to be they're ravenous for it anyway and they get their comics every wednesday and it's like they're about that and they're the ones who show up on thursday night at midnight for an alien covenant screening right it's like that that it feels like that that aesthetic and that kind of approach has gone to those tv shows and but the in spoilers general, are everywhere go, I, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you can't get away from it yeah, yeah there's nothing that, yeah. that that keeps you safe from anything it's, <laughs> it's 
it's become, yeah. So it's, it's really, uh, but yeah, but you, like you said, it's so fractured. I think that that's the, that's the thing now. It's like, um, you know, I'll watch American gods, which I'm enjoying cause I love the book and, yeah, um, but I've like, I have like two or three on my DVD DVR and I'm like, Oh, I gotta watch that. Or, right. you know, and I watched, I'm halfway through the first season of Fargo, but then I also watched all the handmaid's tale. And then it was like, you know, we watch things in, in different, almost the way we watched that you pick up a book or you picked up a, a magazine. It's like, Oh, this is this Rolling Stone. I got, Oh, they did an article on this band. I'm going to read this. Oh, right. but there's also an article on, on, you know, on the oil industry that I want to read, but I'll read it in two days. It's kind of like, you know, it, the power is in the consumer's hands. And I think that, you know, that's amazing for us on this end, but for like the networks and studios and the people who are funding it, it's very difficult for them to feel comfortable spending a bunch of money on stuff, not knowing where or how it's coming back to them. Right. And uh, so that's what, you know, as, as content creators, you have to uh, um, kind of take the shoulder a little bit of that brunt too, because they're right. coming to you and saying, can you make it cheaper? Can you do this? Can you soften this? Can you add that? Right. I mean, in the independent film market, they're like, Hey, we like, we have new, you know, your scripts about X, Y, Z. Cool. Um, if you can get any of these three stars, we'll, we'll pay an X amount of dollars and you can make it. And you're like, okay, we don't care about the content. They're trying to check boxes that, Sure. Hit markets that they know are, are measurable, uh, measurable benchmarks for them to be able to make money, money back. And I just feel like at the uh, at the network level and the big studio level, they're sitting there, uh, you know, it, it's hemorrhaging and the old old way is hemorrhaging and the new way is is trying to define itself as it goes along. And it's 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 going at the speed of the Internet, which is just it, it's like half life. So it's coming back so fast and reinventing itself and, and all that stuff so fast. You know, I was talking to a buddy yesterday. I was like, remember, like, Amazon was that company you went and got a book from. And now it's <laughs> like, oh, Amazon Studios is this. Now it's like they're making Manchester by the Sea and they made, you know, they're making, uh, you know, uh, they, you know, they're making Transparent and then they're buying Whole Foods and stuff. It's like, it's like, what? Like, it was the company that gave you books like a couple years ago. It wasn't right. that long ago. And then you go and, you know, you pitch there and you're like, oh my God, this place is a fucking television studio. And it's right. more, it's as impressive as you go when you go over to, you know, in any of the traditional big guys, you know, NBC, Universal or ABC or whatever, you're like, this is legit. This is the company that, you know, you. I bought my plunger from you. <laughs> yes, exactly. You and delivered you're it. Giving me my TV. And yeah. it's like, okay. And, um, you know, YouTube has got YouTube red and they're going, they're slowly making their thing from, you know, the low, the, what they call it, endemic, uh, endemic content, which is, I think they're, I think that's what they call it which is like Logan Paul and all those Jake Paul, those kind of like YouTube stars content that way to them making a, a legitimate big buys into uh, investments into big talent, uh, you know, like Channing Tatum and Doug Lyman and, and big people to make shows for them. So it's like right. you watch YouTube Red's going to be as much as now as you're like, oh, that's the place where you go to watch, uh, you know, kids go and watch that and whatever. They're going to be in this hunt the same way now that you have Apple television, uh, this Apple studio kind of thing that's kind of coming out uh, in the last couple of days that, you know, they've made some big, you know, Jamie Ehrlich at Sony, the big Sony people went over to do it. And uh, Matt Chernis who ran WGN and, and was a, was a big guy at Fox. Uh, like he's over there. It's like, that's coming out. So it's like, Jesus, this is crazy, you know, and you have ABC and NBC and I'll say it's really exciting. So the fracturedness of it all is, is really, um, it's spooky, but it's for them, but it's exciting for us because, uh, they need, they need us. And it's, uh, that's exciting. You know, they, they, 
for a few years, it felt like they didn't. You're like, oh, great. Okay. They needed like five people. The same people make the same shit over and over again. Right. They're like, all right, cool. Well, I can get a job for them, but you want any of my stuff? Or... No, oh, you don't have any room. Okay, that's cool. Right. For the Chuck Lorre show, that's cool. You got 25 on the on the thing. And you're like, okay, talented dude, but um, man, I'd like to get one in there. Um, so yeah, it's it's a wild. Uh, it's it's like you said, it's fractured. It's going to be. It's going to. I think it's going to be even more and more so too. I think it's it's going to be. Uh, it's going to get even crazier, um, which is good for the consumer. I think it's in a good way. It's like, man, people are going to compete and. Uh, you're going to see a lot of really cool shit. And and also the thing you're seeing is movie stars, because like the movie uh, thing we were talking about earlier was like Disney makes Pirates of the Caribbean and Pixar movies and whatever. If I'm an actor and I, I you know, and I make, uh, I where can I, you know, they shoot me out over six weeks to eight weeks like I do a movie. And you'll see, you'll see you know, you're seeing, you know, Brian Cranston doing Sneaky Pete or you'll see, um, like on HBO, these HBO shows, you'll, you'll see, um, movie stars doing television shows, even the rock doing ballers. It's like, right. It's like, you're seeing these guys that you're like, yo, you're a fucking legitimate movie star, but you're going, it's like where, you know, Tom Hardy doing taboo. It's like, it's because he wants to, and he gets to pick what he gets to do. And you're going to see taboo on FX because that's the, the brand of them, or you're going to go to HBO and you're going to see big little lies and you're going to see, wow, that's you know, three or four of the biggest actresses in the world are on that, on that television show. That's so weird. You just never saw that before. TVs where actors go to, you know, it's like hospice for their career. They go back and hope they make some money before, you know, they're relevant. Right. So now it's like, we'll start there and then, you know, okay, we'll go over here and do that. So, um, it's, uh, it's, you're, you're getting, because the way you don't have to commit to something for, uh, shooting you, it's almost like committing to a movie. So they get to chase projects. If you're an actor, it's exciting because, you get a chance to do something different. You don't have to sit there and go, well, if I, I could do the Scooby-Doo remake or I could do this, that, and the other, but in the meantime, you're, you know, but I really want to do this project, but it's a big risk. And uh, I don't know Well, if you did it as TV and you could do Scooby-Doo and you're like, great. Awesome. It's, that's exciting. That's just more opportunity for everybody. But, uh, right. um, but you know, there's no pattern yet. Like, so to speak, there's no like, Oh, do this. This happens. It's just, I think that everybody's still kind of figuring out as it goes. And I think that's the, the growing pains of it, but um, nonetheless, it's exciting. Well, I remember a quote that uh, uh, the, what's his name? Um, the creator of Bones. Uh, uh-huh. Um, I don't think of his name offhand. Uh, anyway, uh-huh. one thing that he had said was the first season of a TV show, the actors work for you, meaning you know, the producers oh, yeah, yeah. and producers. Yeah. The second season, you work for each other. You work together. And the third season, you work and yeah. on, you work for them. Work for them, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's an old, that's a, yeah, that's a very famous, uh, yeah, that's, uh, Gary David Goldberg said that about, you know, like even uh, Family Ties. He said oh, okay. that, that that one, he said, yeah, that's a good old adage and stuff like that. But uh, that that's absolutely true. That's exactly what happens. You start to work for them because they need you at the beginning. At that point, they become the brand. And then you're like, okay, cool. <laughs> so you know if you read gary david goldberg's book he's got a great one you know he created family ties and found um michael j fox so right. michael j fox does back to the future he's the biggest star in the world at the time on the biggest tv show at the time and just amazing and then you know family ties is done michael j fox still a big star decides he wants to do tv again and then comes back and does spin city with my old boss uh, bill lawrence and then um he, he does spin city with Gary David Goldberg, but now he's Michael J. Fox. So that it, it, the book is interesting to see from Gary David Goldberg's expe- uh, uh, 
experience the difference between, Hey, here's this kid that I found, you know, on the, on the playground who plays basketball pretty well. And I thought he had some talent to the point of entering a business relationship where he's kind of like your boss and colleague. And then those old relationship paradigms of almost like maybe a paternal relationship with him didn't translate. It actually was, became uh, a problem when they did spin city. It was like, Oh, he's a different guy. He grew up and he's got opinions and he thinks I'm condescending now. And it's maybe I am. And maybe he should listen to me, but at the same time, he's Michael J. Fox now. And it's like, so you, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's definitely a, a real phenomenon. you you know, um, the actors got to, they become the brand, you know? Right. Um, and uh, you have to kind of keep them, <laughs> keep them happy. And, uh, and at the same time, uh, you know, hopefully they have the, the, the um, insight to be able to let the person that got helped get them there still deliver material that they that keeps them there you know so it's hard hard balance has it changed at all and i say that because of of people like shonda rhimes you know shondaland and you have these showrunners who have multiple shows that you know seem much less dependent on the actors than yes i I think it has changed a little bit like that i I mean look if it's if it's kevin james like right now on a multicam where you're definitely that person sure i think that that's uh that's more um that's definitely more um uh uh, more likely but like a shonda thing or even the chuck laurie show it's like jim parsons is the biggest you know comedic actor on tv highest paid whatever right but he's i don't think he's calling the shots for chuck the same way that you know like that i don't i don't see it that way uh, I don't see, I mean, that's my perception of it. I have no insight, but, um, but, you know, or, but Shonda is bigger than that. So like when Catherine Heigl kind of blew up and had, you know, knocked up and, you know, had, you know, kind of media battles with her and, and all that fun stuff. Uh, I don't think Catherine Heigl came out on top in the old days where as someone else, you know, bigger than that. I mean, look at the uh, Charlie Sheen and Chuck Lorre and their fights Oh yeah, got very public with that. And it's, uh, I don't know. It'll be uh, interesting. Um, but yeah, but I think that that's, uh, you know, the powers in the creator right now and uh, the show creator. So um, uh, we'll see. I mean, uh, if that's that changed, but I think that that's, uh, I think if you're a big star, you're going to be, uh, you still got to be, um, it depends. I think it depends. I, I think it depends. It's, it's if someone, if, uh, if all of a sudden Tom Cruise wants to go and do a TV show, it's all going to be completely you know what I mean? He wants to go sure. and do a, a ABC thing. It's all changing. You know what I mean? And um, if someone's kind of a, that, but if if you're on a show and you kind of break from that stuff, I, I don't know if that, like like you said, if there's a, an example of that that's super clear um, and, and no brainer with that. But um, it seems like because uh, there's yeah. there's so many different shows. You know, again, they're developing hundreds of 400 plus shows that that star power is diluted. And because of that, I think, like, you know, with shows like Flash, I mean, that's a Greg Berlanti show. Greg Berlanti has a bunch of shows yeah. on CW. It's a Greg Berlanti franchise. Yeah. And I think, yeah. so even the, you know, the cast of Flash, you know, uh, even if you're Flash, I mean, you could probably be replaced by yeah. Greg Berlanti, I'm thinking. I, again, I don't have, <laughs> yeah, I, I, right. I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Uh, no, no, you're probably right. I think you, know, you have a good point. I think that's absolutely true. I think that that's definitely, that's uh, absolutely true. I think that, that that can happen because, you know, those shows are, well, there's two things at play in those ones specifically. 
um, is that when it's DC, it's Flash as a character that's been around forever, and it's sure. Berlanti. So it's, you got you got two big masters there that are kind of hold, holding, you know, holding the uh, holding the uh, the hammer, so to speak. Right. And Berlanti is one of the loveliest guys in the world, and nicest, greatest dude. It deserves all the success. And sure. happy. He's just the nicest guy. He's a guy that didn't have to be as nice as he is, and you're like, oh, I like that guy even more, and he's super successful. Um, he's a uh, but you know, like that and Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow and and Supergirl and all that stuff that he's done. Um, you know, those are uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I I you know unless unless that sh- unless I don't know a show to be. I mean, even M- look at Empire was huge a couple years. Ago. Like yeah. it was everywhere. There it was saying ratings things on fire, and you had uh, Taraji Henson and you had um, um, uh, oh my god, I'm blanking on his name, um, uh, Terrence Howard. Mm-hmm. Those two you would think, oh my God, that at that point would be bigger than, you know, that's the one where they blew up in the same way that like, kind of like George Clooney or Jennifer Aniston did when those shows were huge, when they right. are and, and friends were on, but you know, they're back to earth. You know, that's like, she's definitely been, you know, gotten opportunities, been hidden figures and, and great movies and more opportunities and stuff like that. But it's like, yeah, I don't know if television, because I think maybe you're onto something with the idea of the dilution or the amount of, um, the scope of how many uh, shows there are that um, maybe that is uh, a factor in that you don't have those kind of breakout people that are, you know, um, you know, even the game of Thrones guys. I mean, like, look at, you know, you get uh, Kid Harrington's uh, doing well, right. Everyone's doing well in that show, but nobody off of that show. Do you go, Oh, that fucking guy. Is, I mean, you know, they're winning awards and whatever, but they're not like, Oh, it's a no brainer. I mean, Kid Harrington has been in a couple of movies. None of them have, Right. That I know that have been, you know, they, they try to launch a friend. They tried to, he was in one of the, um, some kind of like, uh, Jordan Sandal book or movie kind of thing. And it didn't kind of hit or, it, you know, did find out, but like nobody's transcended in that show as a phenomenon, even like walking dead. It's like, uh, none of the, none of those actors have like, Oh, that person went off and made a movie and now they're, you know, uh, an Academy award, you know, they're Ryan Gosling now or something like that. So, who knows, man? But it, you're probably onto something. I don't know. It could just be that amount of all that exposure. Well, plus a lot of, like you had mentioned before, a lot of big film actors and movie stars are coming to the television space. So that also sort yeah. of lessens the power of a TV star. You know what I mean? Yes. When yeah. you have you yeah, know Glenn sure. Close coming to television to do the closer yeah. or whatever, all of a sudden it's like, yeah. and you're a big TV actor, it's like, well, you're not you know, you don't have an Oscar on your yeah. shelf and, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, like a John Voight's on, John Voight's yeah. on, on Ray Donovan and, and that's Absolutely. an Academy Award winner. It's like, you know, it's sure. in those, those sort of those cable shows you go on, it's like they'll make the, uh, where the Wizard of Lies one with uh, the De Niro one. That's, those are like TV movies and stuff like that. But those, you know, De Niro and and Michelle Pfeiffer and you know, Alessandro Nivolo, it's like, those are all feature actors and they're right. doing a TV show. So it's like, yeah, like you said, they probably, they come in and then knock everybody down a peg, you know? So yeah. uh, um, I could definitely imagine that being the case, you know, perception-wise. But, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. Oh, and when I had mentioned that quote, I just uh, remembered it. It wasn't David Shore who did House. I meant it was Bones and it was Hart Hansen who I had heard. Hart Hansen. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Okay, that's anyway. awesome. Yeah, Hart Hansen. That makes sense. I was like, wait a second. Hart Han- yeah, Hart Hansen, really talented guy. They're both super um, talented. You yeah. Know, you know, um, oh, God, David Shore, of course. Oh, my God. Legends, you know, yeah. both legends. Just awesome. Um, yeah, it's super uh, inspiring. And speaking of legends, um, let's talk about – I wanted to talk to you about, <laughs> uh, uh, 
you know, what it's like, again, being at that stage where you're at the, you know, upper level producer level, but also I'm sure you're developing stuff. So you're probably going into uh -huh. development season, you know, working on your own stuff as well as, you know, fielding offers and meetings and things like that for other, other opportunities. Um, you know, so I'm curious as yeah, to what yeah, that whole I mean, process I, is I, like for you. Well, I, I, I mean, I can't, there's a project that I, I with Crystalia, who you mentioned on the, yeah. on the roll in with, uh, that I, you know, I are in the process of closing a deal to do a project that's more of like a dark comedy, uh, with one of the streaming services and stuff like that, that I'll, you know, I can't really talk about cause I don't know where the, the where it's at and all that other stuff, but that's in the works and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm doing that and then doing that on top of, uh, the uh, Blackish spinoff, um, and trying to, uh, get that up on its feet for a, you know, it'd be a, one of the, it'd be more like an FX kind of, you know, baskets, Louie type oh, show. Right. That's more on Chris's, Chris's aesthetic and his whole, um, his kind of take on stuff that we, that we developed together and I'm really excited about. So and we're working uh, with his dad, Bill Delia, who is, uh, you know, David Kelly's, David E. Kelly's like right-hand man who's mm -hmm. been there with David E. Kelly on everything that he's done. Mm -hmm. So you named the show, Bill's right there, right. won a billion awards and stuff like that. So Bill's involved in then Richie Keene, who just directed Fist Fight and is a feature director and really successful television director who's been a buddy of mine and, and really? Trevor, so the four of us kind of put it together and yeah, Holy. we set it up and we're figuring it out. So it's a really exciting, yeah, it's That's like awesome. a cool thing. So I'll, I'll be working on that and then uh, kind of get, trying to get that going while uh, we do pre-production. And then, um, you know, as far as the fall, that'll, that'll kind of, those two projects should basically fill my dance card if something comes along uh, in that that is allowed to be uh, done. Um, uh, uh, you know, if, if something in that, if there's a space in there that I'm allowed to do and everything works out, then, um, then yeah, who see, we'll see, we'll see what the, uh, if there's space for me to try to develop another thing or if something's brought to me and stuff like that, I'll try to be open to it. But, you know, developing a show and working on a first year show, even though it's one that's probably going to have a lot of, you know, talking about the blackish, uh, spinoff is that that's going to have a lot of, uh, it's already it's already got posts built, you know, which is right. great. You're not like going, who is this character? What makes them funny? Yeah. You know, you're not doing those really like fucking brick and mortar kind of like from the from the ground up kind of thing about like is how you know when you start a show, you're like, well, we got to get everybody. What makes this person funny? What does you know? How are we writing jokes for this person? Or is, what's a surprising thing? Or what 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 do we do? What did we do the pilot that we could have done better? Or what you know, whatever it is. So those kind of things are going to be there. So it'll be. Um, Hopefully, uh, not, uh, you know, I'll be able to kind of get the other one going while that, uh, while that goes, but, um, you know, um, uh, but yeah, the, the, you know, well, you, this time of year, uh, most people, you know, a lot of friends are meeting with the studios and the pods and talking about, they have ideas together and stuff like that. And, uh, if I would, I would have a, an idea, a couple ideas and go with, um, uh, with some friends like I did this last year. I did one with Warner brothers. Uh, project that was um, that I wanted. It was more like a uh, ended up called Cloak and Daniel that I did with Mike Cars, who's a, um, a feature director or a feature producer over at Warner Brothers. I had a deal with Warner Brothers from back in the Undateable days, and uh, I wanted to do um, kind of like a True Lies type TV show oh. um, about a guy that finds out he's next door to a sleeper cell agent of you know kind of like a retired James Bond, and and then you know Black Widow from the Avengers, like as a faking as a married couple, and he has to if you were next door to the Americans, kind of a thing, and he has to kind of it was kind of a high concept action comedy thing that uh -huh. felt like it you know was trying to get the feeling of an 80s you know those 80s 
um, 80s action comedies that, you know, whether it's Midnight Run or, you know, Running Scared or any of those fun kind of things that he grew up on, yeah. uh, Leave a Weapon, a little bit like that, try to put that in the half hour space. And it came out really, really well. It didn't sell. It didn't, it didn't kind of go. Ultimately, I think it was, uh, there was a couple other spy, I guess, things. There was um, one at uh, called Linda from HR at Fox. There was another one at, uh, at ABC. And I think even another one at, at CBS um, that kind of, jumped in front of mine so i didn't get a chance to uh that said it came out really well it was really fun to kind of get back in that development game so um that'll be kind of my approach if if development kind of happens later this year and it's 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 you know it happened in some fun way i would uh with a new idea outside of these two um i would try to do have the feeling and the vibe that i felt with doing that which was something was like oh i could really tie the roots back to what me why i want to do it as opposed to Sometimes as a writer, you'll figure things out. You go, oh, okay, cool. It's uh, uh, I got this idea and I mash it up with this idea. I could write that. Oh, that's funny. You know, you see why it's funny, but it's not. You're not inspired. It's like it's more like you figured out how to do a math problem or you figured out how to build something, but why to build it? Um, you know, I'm hopefully mm-hmm. at that place in my life where I can go, cool. This is why I want to do this because if it goes, I'm gonna have to you know sensibly spend six, seven years fucking living in this. So if you're just sitting there going, oh, cool, it's a, you know, it's a it's a magical farting pirate. And it's like, I better want to sit in a magical farting pirate show for, fucking, for six years because otherwise I'm going to end up putting a, you know, running a, putting a flintlock in my mouth after a year. So it's like, you got to get to that place where you're like, you know, you're uh, inspired by it. So, so that's my approach is trying to like find things that I go, God, I really want to do this because of this, or this will make me happy or God, I really want, you know, I really, really want this to, uh, I really love this feeling this gives me, or, you know, this is, uh, reminds me of this when I was a kid or something that made you, you know, you got to find that kind of energy because it's just too much hard work otherwise. So, right. um, but, um, yeah, I, I don't think we can top magical farting pirate. Um, that, <laughs> this, <that>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> awesome buddy. Um, all right, dude. So, um, well, dude, this has been awesome. It's great to catch up with you and yeah, play and wander all over the place and stuff. It's, uh, um, I have to take my son to karate here in a few minutes. So, yeah. uh, um, yeah, that'll, so I'm gonna, uh, but, uh, the, uh, yeah, it's great to talk to you and hopefully, you know, uh, get you out to the, uh, the college blackish spinoff, whatever it's going to be called, uh, set, come out and see it, man. It'd yeah, be fun that'd be for awesome. you to come have you out there man because i think it's gonna all be it's gonna be at disney over in burbank it's... oh cool and uh yeah have fun at karate trying to get kicked and i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah. brainstorm the magical farting pirate and give that to you all right cool I'll do, you want to send me an outline anything <laughs> whatever i'm happy to i'll look it over for you all yeah. right uh the thing remember he's magical and he farts. So, <laughs> awesome all right man well dude it's good talking to you Great man talking and, uh, to you uh, um, yeah, but I'll, uh, I'll be in touch and we'll uh, try to get you out there once I kind of get settled in over there. I think you can see you again. All right, thanks, Frank. All right, I'll talk to you later, man. See you guys. Right, thanks. Rap is law and I'm passing the bar. All verses considered like I'm NPR and we are killing them. Everyone I roll with. Gunning for the top spot, the opposite of hopeless. My flow is the dopest of anyone in showbiz. No more riddling, I'm still so focused. So how'd I blow up so quick? Because I got the type of rhymes to keep it cracking like a glow stick.